tell your friends, the Mark and Max show is back and better than ever. Are you ready? LifeRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Max show. Good to have you with us today. We appreciate it. We know you've got choices. And uh, we are just appreciative that you decided to spend your time with us. Absolutely, so, yeah. Yay for us. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling kind of weird today, man. Yeah. Just got to be honest are. with you. Yeah. And uh, just dealing with a double vision thing, okay? Yeah. And I told Mark yesterday, I said, hey, let's not say anything about this on the air because right. I don't know what's going on yet. Yeah. And now I do know what's going on. I don't have any answers, but I am seeing double vision. Yeah. yeah. And it's not like the song, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, it's been, it's been weird. weird. Yeah, it's been weird for right. you, I know. And, you know, we've been, you yeah. shared it with me yesterday morning before we got started. And I was all about, okay, well, we will take the yeah. day off. You go sort mm -hmm. this out. Go get it, you know. And yeah. No, no, nah. no. We'll do the show. That's fine. Yeah, so. I'm fine. You know, but I'm not fine. <laughs> it's horrible. But it so, started slowly. I Okay, I go to the doctor yesterday. Yeah. And it's like, I she said, well, all right, when did it start? You know, the details. I'm like, actually, it started Saturday morning. And I didn't know what was going on. I thought I had something in my eye. Mm. And, you know, you know how that is. You yeah. Know, eyelash or whatever. That's what it felt like. <laughs> like an eyelash. And then one thing led to another. And, you know, boom, got nothing. Oh, and man. so, anyway, just weird. That's all I yeah. can say is weird. But, uh, you know, we got to go see another expert. But in the meantime, the one good thing, you and I both had LASIK done at the same time yeah. years ago. Yeah. And, and each eye individual independently of one another, perfect. They're fine. Yeah. Which I was actually really excited about. Yeah. That's yeah. good news. Yeah. Bad news is they, they're both fine, but they don't do any good working together. <laughs> <laughs> they won't work with each other. Yeah. No. It's like oh, they're arguing. Uh, speaking of LASIK, I saw this morning, uh, scanning through social media. Uh, you remember our, our, our friend Barton, uh, Barton Mellard. Yeah. You know, Mercy, Mercy me. me. Mm -hmm. He got LASIK about the same time we did. Yeah. Remember? Mm -hmm. It was this it was some sort of a thing with a radio station somewhere. Yeah. They hooked him up and then he was telling us he he was telling us, and I won't name stations or, or cities or anything, yeah. but he was telling us it was kind of a wedge to get him to do spots for him. Is what it yeah. Was. yeah. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> what it was it? It was to get the so the, the head guy at Mercy Me was doing spots for this LASIK mm -hmm. clinic. Right. <laughs> And we were like, dude, that's why we did it was to do the spots. You know? That's right. Well, it was good for us. It was good for them. Right. right. Well, here was the, the thing. We want you to endorse this. Well, dude, um, never have I had it. You yeah, know, I don't know I? what you do. Yeah. 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 And they're like, no, no, no. You know, we know you got Coke bottles for glasses. So, you know, we'll, we'll do it. You know, and, and that is the thing. Like I told you before, I am the poster child for, Absolutely. you know, having it. Yeah. But yeah, it's I'm, like, I'm the, I'm the poster child for not. So. Right, and I've also said I would not recommend it. Right, and it has nothing to do with people who did mine because again, mine's perfect. Yep. It's just I don't know anybody else who is. Right, exactly. So, so I see that I see Bart. He's doing it's a video about their new album, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> he's wearing glasses. Right, and I think, wait, 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 wait a minute. Didn't you have LASIK about the same time we had LASIK? <laughs> and then it hit me. Oh yeah, I'm wearing glasses too. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. But well, the thing is, if you got, hey, if you have astigmatism, astigmatism is something that is progressive throughout your entire life. It's the shape of your eye is slowly changing right. over the years. And so you can have LASIK when you're, I don't know, 40, 45. And then when you hit, oh, I don't know, 60 or so, your eye's not the same shape it was 20 something years ago. So you, you have to go back and get prescription eyeglasses again. One of those yep. things that you just don't think about. Yeah. But it's probably in that phone book thick thing that we signed, you know? Yeah. It is it, along with, Hey, you might go blind, you might never see, you know, all that's in there, but you're right. like, wait a minute, you're doing this for free. And all I got to do is talk about how great it is. Where do I sign? I'm <laughs> in. Yeah. <laughs> Live radio FM. It's the Mark and Mac show or in my world, the Mark, Mark and Mac, Mac, Mac show. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> <Excuse> man. <laughs> it's, I, I, told, I thought yesterday, man, I need to go ahead and start looking up, uh, you know, see if there's any kind of Halloween costumes left for a pirate, because I need that patch, you know? <laughs> <The> eye patch. <laughs> yeah, but I need it. I need it for both eyes so I can change up, you know? <laughs> this eye for a while, that eye for a while. Yeah. Well, I don't want to, I don't want one to get jealous, you know? Is that it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. I told LaDonna, it, it, <laughs> when it first started happening Saturday, I was like, you know, I really feel like I have been transported to 1989, and I'm having a little trouble here, you know? <laughs> 
<laughs> Wait, is that Wrigley Field? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we'll have to tell the hmm. Wrigley Field story uh, one day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but the, not today. <laughs> now, Minnesota police have called to break up a bald eagle street fight, which, again, <laughs> mm-hmm. really? Yeah. You've got two bald eagles fighting in the street. How many people are standing by with a camera, you know, or they're mean, with their phone? Yesterday it was elk. Today it's bald eagles. The animals are rising up. That's what it is. Next, um, it's the um, it's the machines, man. It's the teller machines. The computers will rise up. It's possible. It could really happen. Next, Skynet is here. It's bees next. Uh, bees. <laughs> but uh, I don't have any eagle sounds. Yeah. Um, a Minnesota police officer was summoned to break up an unusual street fight when two bald eagles were found stuck together in the middle of a road. The city of Plymouth said in a Facebook post that Officer Mitch Martinson responded to a neighborhood on a report of two bald eagles stuck together on a Plymouth roadway. Martinson said being called to break up a street fight between two eagles was a first for him. Quote, we do have de-escalation tactics, but I've never applied them to eagles or other animals. <laughs> the officer consulted with the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources and the Raptor Center, which told him the eagles were likely in a dispute over territory. Okay. Well, Martinson said he was attempting to cover the birds' heads to calm them down when they decided to flee the scene. He said, the eagles started going at it again, and the next thing you know, they were flying away. All right, they weren't fighting, dude. <laughs> they were doing something else. Well, maybe so. <laughs> it could be. The, but, but. And they were mad that you were trying to break them up. <laughs> You're lucky they didn't attack you, or at least one of them, you know. <laughs> this was not in the training program. This no. Was- <laughs> <laughs> you but called the police. He's, he's consulting with two other departments, which should have been the ones sent out to take care of the Eagle situation. But no, Mr. Police officers out there. Yeah. Well, well I got, Mark? I got pepper spray and a gun. What do I do? <laughs> Life radio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show. And you know, Mark every day, you have an option to be in a good mood or a bad mood. It is a choice. And I've told you before, a lot of times I wake up in a bad mood and I have to tell myself, get in a good mood. You know, nobody's done anything to you today. It's like, but I mean, do you wake up like that some days where you're just, you know, I was doing okay a while ago, but you're starting to get on my nerves. Well, there you go. See, (laughs) mine's a reverse of that. I already wake up in the bad mood. It's your job to get me out of the bed. You know, I don't know why I am kind of the same way. I'm, I'm sort of the grumpy bear when I first wake up, just, just coffee, please. That's all. I just like look around and go, nobody did anything to me yet. You know, it's yet. But of course, it usually doesn't take long when you've gotten the number of, you, when you live in a petting zoo, it doesn't take long to step in something that's going to make your day bad. I got to be honest with you. But And when you're seeing double, oh, oh, buddy, um, you talk about tiptoes. I look like I am doing river dance, man, going through my house. That's what it looks like. I'm dodging stuff. It ain't there. It's, oh, it's over here. It's like they keep moving. All those dogs eye. and the cat, and none of them can be a seeing eye animal for you. No. Not a one. No, but they're all whiny. You know, come over here. It's like I'm trying to reach. Come on. Come over here. I'm closing one eye going, he moved. You know? <laughs> closing the other one. Where'd he go? All right. So, uh, Guinness Book of World Records, uh, which it wouldn't be a Mark and Mac show without this. Okay. Oh, Just throwing it out there. I know. You can always tell when I'm like, is this all there is to talk about? <laughs> well, it's something, you know, it's it's something. Mark, when you start eliminating the garbage, we can talk about with the politics oh, of the day, know. you know, it's like, okay, I, I would much rather talk about a guy yeah. who proves he can do something 300 times in a number of hours. Okay. Absolutely. Then I would yes. talk about is Joe Biden really dro- breaking wind all <laughs> over the world, causing a real problem, you know? <laughs> oh man. It's like, no, you know what? When he walks in the room, it's like everybody looks around going somebody change his depends come on surely the guy's not just eating beans there's got to be more to this i can see one one person on the staff nudges another said i told you the burritos for lunch on the way here were a bad idea and all the guys in the secret service are going it ain't my time to change it man (laughs) they're all carrying little satchels now with depends in them uh now a a professional who's got the diaper genie dag on it come here the the royal diaper genie since it's him that's all we need <laughs> dig a hole and bury this please oh my goodness life radio.fm the mark and mag show 
before we do anything else, Mark, I want to know about this record, this Guinness <laughs> Book of World Records, because if we get the, the whole point is there's always going to be stuff like this because if there we is. can't talk about the other stuff because it is too crazy, and it is, it is. It's it like, is. wait a minute, gas prices are going through the roof. Yeah, I know what our leadership should do. Let's <laughs> shut down every one of our American oil lines. Let's Holy do that. You know, let's shut our pipes down. Yeah, so, so yeah. that's how you reduce dependence on yeah. uh, on fossil yeah. fuels by just taking them away. What? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, that'll do it. And then we'll <laughs> deal with the cabal that is known as OPEC yeah. and, and see what they'll do to help us. Uh, yeah, they're going to help. Yeah. So anyway, after you've gone through this whole rigmarole of going back, <laughs> you know, back to the future, it's like, so we had eight years of prices going through the roof. We're going, and we had four years of, oh, yeah, this is the America I grew up in, uh, to now back to this again? Come right. on. Yeah. It's, you know, you're going to tell me we didn't have that electric stolen really yeah it's not just a little crazy it's a lot crazy yeah it is and you know and the crazy guy that i still want to know mark you know they've got that pharmacy in washington dc that serves so many members of congress right yeah and they've got like what 60 people in congress currently serving that are on some kind of medication for alzheimer's wow or dementia wow and they won't tell us who they are we need to know if our elected leader if if our elected leader is on is is early on stage early onset alzheimer's mm. we have to know that yeah and they're hiding it so they, and it ain't just one or two it's a bundle of them yeah so really anyway it's that's why i think i think this is kind of important what we need to know because these escape that this straitjacket thing <laughs> there might be a few politicians that need to be so we need to make sure they can't get out of them so listen let's think, study this guinness book of I world records a, a lot of politicians are already very well versed in how to get out of straitjackets you know, <laughs> political ones yes. yes but i'm talking about the physical one i'm not talking about a theoretical oh, one okay. i'm talking about let's go to their house in the middle of the night and make sure they cannot get out of this we'll just, okay. you know what we'll just tell them it's a brand new suit for a brand new day here try this one on (laughs) well a professional illusionist has broken a guinness world record at a georgia theme park when he completed 300 straight jacket escapes in eight hours jackson rain took the stage at a wild adventures theme park in valdosta and performed the feat that broke the record rain was aiming to beat the previous guinness world record of 193 escapes which was set by james peters in britain in 2003 rain said he began to study magic and escape artistry at the age of 11 and he received his first straight jacket as a christmas <laughs> gift when he was 17 wow you know what's kind of weird about this yes all right he did it at wild adventure at theme park mm-hmm and it took him eight hours. Now, can you imagine if you if your mom and dad take you to this theme park and they're really into Guinness Book of World Records stuff and they're like, hey, let's go to the wild. We're going to go to the theme park today. Mm-hmm. And then you get there and at nine o'clock in the morning, they're like, come on, we're going to watch this guy. <laughs> eight hours later, the kids are going, come on. I thought we were here. <laughs> no rides, times? no food. Come on. <laughs> I don't care. I lost interest at three. <laughs> liferadio.fm it is the mark and mac show and mark so something's been on my mind since you mentioned this last hour about Uh-oh. bart miller you know yeah. getting wrangled into doing bart with the lead <laughs> yeah. singers of mercy me yeah of getting wrangled into doing Lace. the lasik eye surgery back right. about the same time you and i did but yeah. not for our people but for right, another yeah. one right now does he have to still do those commercials i mean like every time a song you know does klty in dallas every time they play mercy me song have to say and bart millard had his lasik surgery you know this song brought to you by lasik academy or whatever funny i mean i'm just curious and you know is he gonna actually you know is he gonna release a song you know if you take these glasses from my face i'm sure that you will find i'm undeniably certifiably just a shade of blind (laughs) thank you i don't envy those of you with 2020 vision wow you see the world for all it's worth with crystal clear precision i see the world here we go for all it's worth more said than what is heard the day is brighter softer and lighter when it's slightly blurred i'm nearsighted it's another lovely day nearsighted while i stumble on my way I don't judge a friend or lover by a first or second look, Mm -hmm. nor a book by its cover. I I can't even see the book. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about your freestyle. There you go. Thanks. We'll be here all week. (laughs) 
liferadio.fm. The Mark and Mac Show with the soundtrack for your life all day long. You know, Mark, I, when I saw this story the other day about a ring being lost for a yeah. long, long time in Minnesota and being found by a seven-year-old, I'm thinking, this one guy has heard about this lost ring for a long time. He, he really you know? has. He and really, really has. <laughs> it's like, why are we pulling the scab off this one again? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Seven-year-old Isadora Rose of Bismarck, North Dakota, North Dakota, said she was camping with her family at New Johns Lake when she spotted something shiny in the water. The object turned out to be a 1982 class ring from McCluskey High School in McCluskey, North Dakota. The engraving on the ring indicated its owner was a basketball player. Robin Rose, Isadora's mom, posted photos of the ring to a community Facebook page where it was spotted by friends of Carrie Helm a former basketball player for McCluskey who died from an asthma attack five years ago. Wow. The Rose family got in touch with Cheryl Helm, Carrie's widow, who told them her late husband had lost his ring, get this, during a graduation party by Mm. the lake 39 years earlier. Wow. The Roses met with Helm to present her with Carrie's ring. Man. And the guy had passed away. Yeah, he'd passed away. But he had just gotten the ring. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when I graduated high school, Mark, I had a class ring like everybody else, oh, but me too. Yeah. I was working. Okay. And at, back then when, when we got out of high school, it was right at the time where they stopped being able because there was a thing where they used to ask you how old you were when you applied for a job. Mm. And they had just gone through this thing about age, you know, about discriminating because of the color of a skin or racial or uh, any kind of ethnicity or yeah. age. Right. All of that got added together. So now they couldn't ask you how old you were. Hmm. And I, and the reason I say that is because I got a job in radio when I was 14 because they thought I was much older, you know? <laughs> and so when I got out of high, I have this high school graduation ring, you know, and I'm going to work at a radio station, a, a new one. Well, again, I didn't want anybody to know I was still in, you know, I just got out of high school. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know what I did with mine. I, I really don't. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think I threw it. I just left it somewhere to be lost and never found, you know? <laughs> Well, so if you do find mine, I don't care, you know, well, because I, I mean, I didn't wear it that much. I got it bent. I was wrestling in high in my mm, senior year of high school yeah. and I, I couldn't get the ring off my finger and I wrestled and oh. it got bent. This guy beat me so bad, so fast. He bent my ring and I was like, well, dang. Oh yeah, it was bad. Dude, I got beaten. Afterwards, you're taking inventory. Okay. I remember when I hit there. That's what that bruise is from. This but. How did my ring get bent? No, I believe me. That was not something I had to think about, Mark. I remember when it got bent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that guy was strong. I got oh beaten 37 goodness. seconds during a regional tournament one time. 37 Ooh. seconds. But you know what? From everybody said that was the most exciting 30 seconds they'd ever seen, you know? Well, good for them. Yeah. I mean, I was pulling every... You know what? I was such a bad wrestler. I would watch professional wrestling to get tips. That's how bad of a wrestler I was. And and when you're actually doing the regular high school wrestling, there are, there are no ropes to sling know, anybody into. I know. Yeah. I was thinking you can't jump from the turnbuckles. There aren't no. any. I'm running around that mat going, where are they? Where you, are you they? You hit somebody with a folding chair, you're going to jail. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, you got to kick the official off of it first and your coach. <laughs> I need that. Give it to me. <laughs> yeah, I remember that guy squeezed my hand so hard, dude. That oh. he, he bent it squeezing my hand. Ow. Yeah. Yeah, you don't see that. You know, there's a lot of things you don't. You know what? Something else you don't see when you're watching a wrestling match because most people don't understand the scoring, so it seems boring. I actually had a guy, you know, put he, I had him in a headlock. Okay, I thought I put him in the headlock, which was good. But he put himself in the headlock so he could move his head. He had shaved his head so close and oh. let the stubble. And then he moved his side to side to cut under my armpit. Oh. So that all, every time I sweat, it burned. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. LifeRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Mac show. And, and you know, there are some movies, Mark, that just crack me up for no reason. They, they're not supposed to. Um, in the Uh-oh. movie Cinderella Man, it's a true story of a boxing great, right? Yeah, great. And yeah. yeah, guys from New Jersey. You remember that scene when his manager comes out and he's uh, he's out there to see him and he's in New Jersey. And uh, he's like, you know, well, what are you doing here, man? He goes, I, I'm just out for a drive in Jersey. Thought I'd stop by and see you. <laughs> and he goes, hey. It's Jersey, man. And Paul Giamatti like goes, he like sniffs the air and goes, yeah, I wouldn't normally do this. You know, is that horrible? I thought, you know what? If I was from Jersey, you know, it's like, I know. Is that, 
I've never been there. I mean, I, I actually, I don't, I don't think I've been in Jersey. I've been on yeah. the Jersey Turnpike, but I've right. never actually, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, exactly. I've never like got off the freeway and done anything because I was always afraid something was going to get me. But how did Jersey <laughs> get that reputation? Is what I, I don't know. It's been the butt of jokes for as long as yeah. I can remember. It really is. Has. It be- oh, you know what? It's just because you have the hoity-toity people in Manhattan That's that make fun of everybody. It. If that's you're not it. from Manhattan, you're you're yeah. scum, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, it. that yeah. that's why this kind of see, and that's the way it is in your in the South. If you're a stand-up comedian in the South, the worst rednecks are in whatever state is next to you. If you're in <laughs> Georgia, right. yeah. it's Alabama. Uh-huh. If you're in Alabama, it's Georgia or Mississippi or Tennessee. Yeah. You know, you just take pick your punchline because it's always Alabama, unless you're in one of these other states, mm-hmm. and then you know. That's so if true. you're in New York, normally it's like New Jersey is like the trailer park livers, you know. Yep. The, the people who they, they mock us for living in trailers. If you're from Jersey, you're one of us. Yeah. So wait a minute. New Jersey, actually the redneck capital of the North. Okay. Woo-hoo! Got it now. That's why this story makes sense. Okay. There we go. Well, it's a story about taking DNA, t- DNA tests. And it's about a woman in Jersey. You know, these DNA tests like, uh, ancestry, DNA, uh, 23 and me, you hear the ads yeah. on, on all well, the time about sending. That's you, why you the know. one that runs in Alabama says, if you've ever been concerned about your aunt, mom, and why did she's called that? Here you go. Well, there's a young woman from Jersey named Izzy. She says she recently had more of a revelation regarding her heritage than she really, really wanted. She posted a TikTok video because, of course, it had to be TikTok about yeah. what she says her DNA results have led to. She explained it began years ago when she got a test done. Since she and her two brothers, triplets, were born in November of 1998, the result of her mother using a donor. When matches started reaching out to her, she found out she had far more siblings than she knew. Quote, quote, I got a message. I got a message from a random woman asking if I'm related to a specific person or family because I matched with her, her daughter. And I said, "Uh, no. So then she asked if I was a donor baby because her daughter was too. And now I'm freaking out Mm -hmm. because she could be my sister because I'm a donor baby. The donor's half-sister then matches with me and sends me a direct message saying other mothers who use the same donor and their children are part of a private Facebook group and that I should join too. I join the page and it turns out there are over 50 of us who are siblings and children of the same donor and we're all different ages. And now there's paranoia because some of them are afraid there are so many of us, we may end up dating someone who happens to be a sibling. I've wondered if that was going to be a problem ever since I first read about this, Mark. I really did. And the thing is, a lot of times you find out that, yeah, it really wasn't a donor. It was the doctor. He was the one doing <laughs> yeah, all the donating. That's exactly right, yeah. Uh, it's certainly not an issue most folks have to deal with, but for Izzy, it feels like a very clear and present danger. She later shared that this information was overwhelming. She hasn't really been interested in getting to know any of her half-siblings. Mm. The video's been watched over 853,000 times, and a lot of folks have responded to her conundrum. Wow. She says, she said of the whole thing, I feel really uncomfortable. It's a really abnormal thing. You know, when you start messing with God stuff, this yeah. is what happens. Okay. Yeah, that's right. And it just, you know why that this is what I have often wondered because a lot of times in divorces where you have, uh, let's just use the, let's kick a guy. Okay. Uh, your father abandons your mom and your brother when in the sixties and he starts a new life has nothing to do with you. You move on. And you, you have no contact with him. You have a stepfather. You're raised under the stepfather's name and everything else. And you move across the country. Meanwhile, your father, your biological father, who has cut contact, you have no, you don't know him. You don't know anything about him. He goes on and has another life. Okay. Yeah. And instead of having sons this time, this time he has daughters. Now, years go by. You end up in upstate New York. Uh, you, you decide to go on a pilgrimage to Woodstock. And while you're there, you meet a young lady. And you start talking, oh, you're from, you're from Oregon? Well, I'm from North Carolina. Okay. You know, you just start talking about growing up. And it's like, you seem to get along. You don't know because now a lot of states have eliminated the blood test, but you really both share the same father. And you met out of the blue because he didn't decide to say anything, you know? Yeah. So it's like, that's your basic thing. Now throw that out the window and put in that maybe that step, that dad was actually a donor. Mm. And he has spread all over. Now you've got 50 of them. Wow. That's the part that really boggles the mind. Yeah. And this DNA testing is going to show up. There are a lot of half brothers and half sisters Mm. that have hooked up. Wow. 
it's like, you know what? Alabama cannot be the Aunt Mama capital of the world anymore. No. When you think about it, that's going to be one large and extremely awkward family reunion. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. You know, it's funny how radio stations this time of year start fighting to see who's going to play Christmas music first, you know? <laughs> and true. It, I remember back many years ago that there was a station that actually changed the day after Halloween. You wow, know, they flipped yeah. their format yeah. to Christmas well, music. Yeah, yeah. And there was a time when you and I were working at a Christian radio station, uh-huh. and the first year we were together, we did the normal thing. What it used to be was after Thanksgiving, okay? The yes. day after Thanksgiving, you would add in one Christmas song an hour. Yeah. You know, and then each, over the course of time, between the day after Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve, or the week of Christmas, you would actually add in a song or two an hour to the point where finally the week of Christmas, you were pretty much playing almost all Christmas music for the right. last three or four days leading yeah. up to Christmas. Yep. And then after that, you're back to normal on, you know, <laughs> if you're doing top 40 radio by eight o'clock Christmas morning, you're back to regular music. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But anyway, that all changed somewhere along the way. Somebody decided, Hey, our station really stinks. Let's just change the Christmas music right now and see if we can get a ratings bump. Right. And it worked. Yep. And that station like in Birmingham became magic 96 yeah. where they were known as the Christmas station. Mm-hmm. And the first year I looked at Mark, I'm like, well, we're the Christian station. How can we not be the Christmas station too? Yep. So the next year <laughs> I said, we're flipping, mm-hmm. we're going to flip right after Thanksgiving. Yeah. What did they do? They flipped on November 15th. Yeah. And that year we switched again, minimal, you know, we didn't really see any change. Right. The next year I was like, I'm switching before them. <laughs> beat them. So I started watching, I'm going to beat them to the punch. And so I did. And I'm not kidding, but by about the second or third week of it, I was ready to take an ice pick <laughs> I, to my ears, I'm man. I'm telling you, oh. there's only so many times you can listen to Rudolph the Red Reindeer. And I, Mary, oh, did you know? Oh, yes, she knew. In a bazillion different versions of oh. it. Oh, you're playing yeah. all this different? No, it's the same four songs. No. It's just by yeah. different people. I mean, it's <laughs> Well, who was that one? Well, that was Kathy Matea. She was a country star back in 1993. I just got tired of hearing this thing, you know. I was in the thrift store uh, Saturday morning because that's what I do on Saturday mornings. And uh, I walked in, and they usually, they, they've got some urban station that they play because this thrift mm-hmm. store is kind of in the hood. And the... Uh, and there's a, there's a, it's usually an urban station, and they've got music playing in there, and the, and I'm, I took me until I got about halfway through the store. I realized, wait a minute, this is Christmas music and that's magic 96. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, they're already playing. Yep. Wait, what? Yep. <laughs> there you go. So they, hopped on, I think they hopped on it right after Halloween. Yep. They yeah. did. And wow. that's why they do it. They do it because stores are going to switch over. And yep. so because it, they're, they've got their Christmas stuff on the shelf in August. So yep. the first station that flips gets them. And people don't change the channel once they're set. And that's the whole point. So it's really, when do you want to switch? The thing is, is people get burned out. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. if you're trying to be in-store listening, okay, for retail, then that's what you do. But if you're actually trying to have a radio station that can survive, you don't need to do it. It's just, but it's a tough mix because there's a certain point where people want to hear Christmas music and it's a battle every year. Yeah. So. I don't know the good, the bad, or the ugly. I do know this, though, that I never heard of Elf on the Shelf until (laughs) Hannah was born. And now Elf on the Shelf is a whole thing. It really is. And it's like, I told her, I'm like, but what's bad, Mark, is the old radio guy in me. I'm like, should we start adding Christmas music into what we're doing? I'm not kidding. And I've I went, been meaning to talk with you about that. I but, just you know. can't do it, man. I'm gonna. It's gonna have to wait until Thanksgiving. I can't do it. And yet, you know, I saw this Elf on the Shelf thing the other day, and I thought, well, maybe I need to add in a few, you know. But then, mm. what are we gonna do? Are we gonna catch grief over Frosty and Rudolph and all that? Because we're we playing, because you know? we did before. I mean, yes, we did. We did. And and because uh, okay, here's another thing, especially in Christian radio. Yes. If if you're in Christian radio, you have a very limited selection of artists to choose from yeah. to, to play their music within, as far as Christmas music is concerned. You've got a very small library. Mm-hmm. So you go through that and, you know, halfway through the day, you're done. Yep. You've got to add more stuff. And mm-hmm. so you're going back to Bing Crosby. You're going back yeah. to, you know, all these classics. And what happens? The phone starts ringing. Why yep. are you playing secular music? 
I mean, because, <laughs> because you know what? You know, we're playing Frosty the Snowman. It has absolutely nothing to do with Christmas. That's exactly it has to do right. with snow. It has nothing to do Let with Christmas snow. at all. Let it yes. snow. You're play- nope. <laughs> you play all this music, and it's yep. by all these artists that, you know, everybody knows, but there's mm-hmm. all... The, the church is has so many Karens in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And oh. they all know your phone number. Why? That's, yes. <laughs> they know your address. They know everything. <laughs> they know your... The thing is, you know what every Karen knows? The boss's address oh. and his phone number. Yeah. Oh, good grief. The owner in Pennsylvania. They know them all. <sighs> Mark and Mac Mornings, only on liferadio.fm. liferadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, Mark, a couple of minutes ago, we kind of got lost. I was mentioning this judge and the elf on the shelf. Really, this is everywhere right now. I mean, it's on the headlines of Fox, CNN, because (laughs) a judge actually did something with the tyranny of elf on the shelf. That's got to end. Judge in Georgia jokingly has banned the elf on the shelf. Cobb County Superior Court Chief Judge Robert Leonard posted a mock order Please understand, it's a mock order. No dogs were injured. Uh, On Twitter Thursday, banishing the elf on the shelf. Quote, tired of living in elf on the shelf tyranny? Not looking forward to the elf forgetting to move and causing your kids emotional distress? I'm a public servant and will take the heat for you. My gift to tired parents. (laughs) According to the holiday tradition, the elves hide in homes for weeks before Christmas and report back to Santa, who's been naughty and nice. The elf dolls are supposed to move to a different location each night. Um, Leonard wrote in his order, inexplicably, elves sometimes move and don't move overnight. When those elves do not move, it leaves our children of tender years in states of extreme emotional distress. He called a horrific, he recalled a horrific incident in his town, in his own home, when three children were sent to school in tears with one child being labeled an elf murderer and accused of making the elf lose his magic. Wow. Given what's the, wrong with his family? I'm telling you, I like him. I think, uh, given the risks of such emotional damage and supply chain issues caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, the judge wrote that he had no choice, but to banish the elves from Cobb County. He did make an allowance for parents who don't feel overwhelmed by the elf on the shelf tyranny writing in his tweet. If you love your elf, keep your elf. No contempt. <laughs> if you love your elf. Yeah. <laughs> I never even paid attention to Elf um, on the Shelf. Me either, no. And <laughs> until a few years ago when he started ratting me out. And then it was like, okay, where is that guy? Why? One night he's hanging from the chandelier. The next night he's hiding in the corner. It's like, this guy's busting me for everything. I'm going to find him. I'm going to. And I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> you thought the Grinch was bad? Yeah. I'm the Grinch without bringing back the roast beast. I'll tell you that. liferadio.fm it is the mark and mac show and a nerd alert mark mark <laughs> yeah. sends me this thing nerd alert nerd alert i'm like okay are we are we now calling dave out is that what we're doing we're making fun of me no i don't think so unless unless you're a comic book book guy i am not you're going to the comic book store just because your mom you know can change your yeah. sheets that night Dude, you know i did not know when i saw iron man the first movie that he was a comic book <laughs> i did not know i thought what a cool character he is and i said something to somebody i'm like man that's just so and they're like dude he's been around forever the comic like, i went and watched a comic book movie oh man what do you mean batman's a comic book yeah i thought it was a tv show <laughs> oh man dc has changed its mind about Superman aging, getting old. Mm-hmm. But DC is allergic to the concept of simple. So that's really not what happened. Okay. Just bear with me here, all right? All right. Now, if you if you were one of the guys from Big Bang Theory, you'd be following along and correcting me. <laughs> because <laughs> which is, right. listen, If you pick up the current comics, you'll find out that Superman only looks old and has less powers due to exposure to extra-dimensional energies. And, uh-huh. and he met JFK back in the 60s after mm-hmm. falling into a time vortex or something, meaning that he's kind of a jerk for not saying, hey, um... You might want to reconsider the convertible on that Dallas thing, Mr. President, or, or wear a helmet. 
Mm. Oh, man. As for Superman's son, I know. Yeah, Superman, still too soon. Superman, too soon. Yeah, Superman has a son, I know. Okay? He's an adult already because he fell into a black hole while traveling in space. Apparently, the cancer's so clumsy that they can't leave the house without tripping over some sort of cosmic phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are currently two Supermen in the DC universe. There are two. But there are also 7,204 Green Lanterns, so whatever of course the real reason for all this tripping across time and space we haven't even gotten into the fact that superman and the authority takes place in a parallel reality but with the same superman it's that dc allegedly did plan to shake up their timeline so that every hero debuted on the actual year their first comics came out and aged in real time only to scrap the idea apparently superman writer grant morrison started working on their series while this was still the plan, and DC decided that making the other writers bend over backwards while confusing the heck out of readers was easier than just asking a superstar creator to change their work. Wow. Dude. Oh, my. You know, Mark? This is too much work. I do not regret never getting into comics, you know? The only comic book I ever read was Mad Magazine. And the one comic I remember was their takeoff of Planet of the Apes back in the day uh, yeah. where the head where the head ape was telling his army of apes, All right, put on your shoes and socks. Yeah. Not in that order. I remember I remember <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I rem- that's what I remember though. That was Mad Mag not in that order. I remember that from nineteen seventy two. There you go. I, yep. but, see the thing is that I remember going to uh to the there was a drugstore in center point that I used to go to. I, I would ride my bike there and look for the latest like Superman or whatever. And I did buy Superman. I bought Batman for a while. And then I met a girl. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's it. You, you, you just stop. But then again, we have, you know, we have people who live in their mom's basements and they got to get out of the house once a week so their mom can change their sheets and they're all addicted to comic books. LifeRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Max show. And hey, FYI, uh, we do have a daily podcast of the show that's up uh, not long after we finish. And you're more than welcome to get that, you know, wherever your daily podcast is sold. All right. (laughs) Mark, I was unaware of a uh, feud between Walt Disney and Alfred Hitchcock. Mm. And I'm guessing if we were to go and get our comic books from the 1930s and 40s, we might see it played out there. Uh Uh-huh. But I don't have any. I don't know. You know I, I laughed when you said you met a girl and that was it for comic books. Because I remember, you know, my folks were like, when I asked that, because I had friends that were into comics and I had yeah. my, I asked my parents and they're like, no, you know, <laughs> no, no comics. Sorry. Sorry. No, I don't you'll regret it. You will regret it. Don't do it. Uh-huh. Here, here is a glove. This is a ball. Go throw. That's right. I'm serious. That was it. We yeah. don't do comics. We do outside. Mm, you know? That's true. <laughs> Back to uh, Disney and Hitchcock, yeah. though. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock, if you recall his films, he used a lot of exotic locations. Uh, the French Riviera, the streets of San Francisco, <laughs> some lousy motel in the middle of nowhere. Um, surprisingly, Hitchcock, also known as the master of suspense, almost made a movie which was set in the happiest place on Earth. Or at least he wanted <laughs> to. Yeah. While... Sadly, not a sequel to Vertigo, in which Jimmy Stewart actually rides the Matterhorn bobsleds. (laughs) The idea first came from screenwriter Ernest Lehman, who had previously penned Hitchcock's North by Northwest, the beloved classic featuring Cary Grant, James Mason, and a less than subtle, dirty joke ending. Lehman had an idea for a movie about a blind jazz pianist to be played by Jimmy Stewart who gains his sight after a miraculous eye transplant. Wow, I might want to consider that. (laughs) Adding to the scientific dubiousness of the story, once the hero has new eyes, he suddenly experiences visions of his own murder, memories belonging to the eye's previous owner. Perhaps to distract from the fact that this makes no sense whatsoever, the flashbacks would have been brought on by a staged Wild West show at Disneyland. Hitchcock even suggested that the whole movie could be made in Disneyland. 
Despite the fact that much of the story plays like a glorified commercial for Disney's relatively new park, with the protagonist wanting to immediately witness the glory of of teacup rides and tantrums with his newly installed peepers, Walt himself was less than enthused about the idea. When news of the project first hit the trades, Disney freaked out and issued a statement to the press about how much he hated Hitchcock's recent Psycho. According to Disney, he wouldn't even let his kids watch that disgusting movie. Well, who who would? (laughs) So he definitely wouldn't let his director into his precious uh, into his precious Mm -hmm. photopia. Uh, (laughs) After Disney's harsh rejection, the movie, somewhat unimaginatively called The Blind Man, eventually fizzled out. Even after Lehman tried to write around the problem by shifting most of the story to a luxury cruise ship. But The Blind Man was revived more than 50 years later for a 2015 BBC radio drama with a completed script by Mark Gaddis of Doctor Who and Sherlock Sherlock fame. It stars Hugh Laurie rather than Dana Carvey doing a Jimmy Stewart impression. But it's still pretty good. And since it required no actual filming and Walt Disney is long dead, possibly frozen, it does contain several scenes set in Disneyland. Wow. So they still have radio dramas on the BBC in 2015. That's what I take away from this one, man. That's the whole story. And that one got old people with you got old people with a pipe and a blanket over their legs, sitting by the fireplace in their old big radio with their decoder rings, ready for the next secret. Yes, yeah, a little orphan Annie. Yeah. liferadio.fm the mark and mac show where you know over the last couple of years now we've dealt with pandemic related issues and i say we as a country we as a world whatever and it doesn't really matter where you fall into this whether you think it was man-made or whatever okay or if it's some kind of way to you know trim back society and the number of population control whatever you think there are now something is something called pandemic buyer's remorse yeah turns out that about one in 10 people have expressed regret over buying items ranging from hot tubs to DIY tools during the pandemic. This is what a survey is telling us now. COVID lockdowns led to a surge of sales of some items that people could enjoy at home or in the garden or mm-hmm. to keep up their fitness. Now buyer's remorse has kicked in for some who <laughs> admittedly typically who admitted typically spending nearly 2000 bucks on the items. <laughs> The insurer Aviva said many expensive items are now gathering dust. Gaming the ones that haven't been set on fire and been turned in for insurance money. (laughs) Gaming equipment, DIY tools, home gyms, bikes, clothing, jewelry, musical instruments, kitchen appliances like bread makers, (laughs) garden furniture, pizza ovens. And hot tubs all oh, appeared wow. on the regret list. That's funny. They surveyed about 4,000 people and found some had sold or given away the items they regretted buying. Some used money, which they would have normally been spending on vacations or social events. Others had intended to use the lockdown to start new hobbies. Yep. I'm yeah. going to learn to play guitar. I'm going to learn a foreign language. That's I'm right. going to learn to make pizza bread. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No. You know, I, I love these when I see them because I always think, you know what? This is the same thing that happens about the 21st of January, you know? <laughs> yeah, when you go to Facebook Marketplace yeah. and you see all the stuff you were thinking about buying. <laughs> yeah, that people bought and realized, I didn't yeah. use it? Oh, That's man. exactly right. I learned that lesson back in the early 80s when I went to a gym with a friend and they said, if you're paying 35 bucks a month, you will use this membership. <laughs> sure and I you said, will. Yeah, no, I left my checkbook in the car. My buddy signed up to Two months later, I said, hey, uh, have you, uh, how many times do you go to that gym? What do you mean? Have you been since you and I went there and you signed up and I didn't? No. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, Mark and Mac show. You know, a couple of minutes ago, we were talking about pandemic regret, you know, yeah. people, buyer's regret. Yeah. And immediately, okay, immediately, we started talking about gym equipment that, you know. Because, <laughs> yeah, during the music, after yeah, we Because <laughs> every guy, every guy buys something with the idea, I'm going to get into shape this year. This is yeah. the year I get into shape. And it's like, okay, since you were 12, you've been pudgy and you've been unathletic. <laughs> Why now at 55 do you think you're going to get in shape and have that beach bod that your wife's going to really be proud yeah, of? Yeah. You never, you don't have, you know what? You have so little muscle left when you go to drink your coffee, your arm shakes for three minutes afterwards, you know? Hey, hey, but hey. It's easy. like, no, I'm, you know, because they sell it to you. Well, you know, Dave, 
if you own this at home, it's easy to, it's not like a gym membership, right? You just go downstairs, you work out, you know what? Mm. You can do this in three minute increments. You go downstairs to, to put clothes in the dryer, boom, work out for 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've tried, I've just, no, just no, no, no. What you do with that stuff, if you buy it and you go down to put your clothes in the wash, you're using that to hang your drip dry yes. stuff. That's, yep. it's, that's, that's what it. it is. You're hanging your clothes off of it. Yes. And it's like, oh, I got to move these weights. I need more bar room. <laughs> you know, I don't need these weights. You're taking too much space. <laughs> the only time you actually lift the weights is moving them off the barbell. And you're like, wow, that's heavy. Yep. I got to work out some more. I'm getting to be a wuss. No. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, honey. Do you want me to carry your purse today? Like, no, I might have to work out a little bit. Well, let me sit down on the bench here at the mall first before you yeah, give me the purse. That's the thing. It's like, so I got this treadmill. Well, I have to walk the mall this weekend. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I got a treadmill. No, I got I got a stair. I don't need a stair master. I got stairs going upstairs. I'm uh, good with that. I got you. I'm the master of the stairs. Here we go. And I was telling you, I've got a, I, I have a friend who, uh, who owns a, a gym. And yeah. he's a, he's a trainer, personal trainer. And I, he and I had a thing at one point where I was managing his web stuff in exchange for time for training. And, and at one point I was doing really well. I lost a lot of weight. I got in a lot better shape. And then one thing after another things started, you know, we started going different directions. And, but the thing is that he still contacts me from now and now, now and then and says, Hey, I could use a little help here, you know? Mm-hmm. So I've got the relationship and I could go, but mm-hmm. it's, it's like, it's, it's, I don't know. It's like 30 miles from my house. Am I going to drive? <laughs> am I going to drive that far to, to go to the nah. gym? Especially since I've got a treadmill, I've got a rowing machine. I've got a, a, I had an elliptical, but it went to the thrift store a couple of weekends of back. You know, well, that's the thing. No, you got to walk by all this exercise equipment to get to a yeah. gym that has the same exercise equipment. Come on. Well, the thing you know? is I don't want to take all the clothes off of them. Right. Well, you got a guy. The only thing you don't have is a guy standing behind you. Go, come on, Mark. Push. You can just get him right, one to record more. it one more. and put it on the tape. And then right. when Jane's upstairs and you say, I got to go work out, when really you're going downstairs to play video games, you put the tape on. <laughs> go for it, Mark. Come on. You can do it. One more. One more. Come on, Mark. Push it. And Jane's going, man, he's really working hard to stay <laughs> fit for me in this marriage after all these years. And uh-huh. all the while, he's down there eating Oreos, playing video games. And she's saying, I don't understand why you never lose weight. liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and you know mark we haven't had um a message in a bottle story in a while that's true but this one it's like messages in a can okay it's not think about it it's not exactly it's close (laughs) wow (laughs) forgot i had that didn't you yeah A trash barrel from a South Carolina beach ended up on the ocean, in the ocean, that is, and floated more than 3,500 miles, winding up on a beach in Ireland. The Myrtle Beach City government said in a Facebook post that visitors to a beach in Mulraney County, Mayo, found a blue trash can on the beach that still bore stickers from Myrtle (laughs) Beach. That's too weird. Yeah. The uh, post included the text of an email from Keith McGreal, who was one of the McGreal. That's him. Keith McGreal was one what of the people. Who, name. What a great name. I know. For this. Yes. Oh, my word. <laughs> one of the people who found the barrel. It says that's an amazing voyage for a trash barrel. Although we would prefer that it. Wait a minute. That wasn't him. That was uh, the Myrtle Beach City government's says uh, that's an amazing voyage for a trash barrel although we'd prefer that it stayed put on our beach rather than gallivanting all over the world via the gulf stream i don't think it's possible to tell them to tell when it went missing but it probably was during a wind or storm event yes they just said they just told the finders hey have that recycled would you uh-huh yeah. no you know what I'm thinking Keith McGreal, yeah. you know, who sounds like he's from Ireland. It does. That maybe it on does. vacation, he used that as his pack. He packed his luggage in that, okay? <laughs> and sent it over there. He gets over there on vacation. He undoes it, puts it on the beach. Somebody discovers it. Now we're talking about Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and Alabama, <laughs> and around the world. There you go. He wins. He what, Is he the marketing director for the city of Myrtle Beach? <laughs> I think so. liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and gotta be honest i said i saw this story yesterday mark and mm-hmm. my first thought was this is an old version of sheldon cooper from big bang theory oh because it said world's oldest conductor breaks his own record <laughs> and i did i thought I it was a train conductor drive. man i forgot my flash drive i forgot my yes mm-hmm. 
He's a 103-year-old man from Florida. He's conducted the U.S. Air Force Band's Airmen of Note at a Washington concert to break his own Guinness World Record as the oldest conductor. Frank Edmund of Cantonment. Now, that's just north of Pensacola, and I know that because my grandparents and aunts and uncles lived there for a long, long time. Yeah, Uh, He initially set the record for the world's oldest conductor in May of 2019 when he conducted the Pensacola Civic Band at its Memorial Day concert at the age of 101. Edmund broke his own record this past Saturday night when he took the stage in Washington, D.C. to conduct the U.S. Air Air Force Band's Airmen of Note in playing Glenn Miller's In the Mood. Oh, wow. Yeah, the song was part of the American Veteran Center's America Valor, a salute to our heroes at the Omni Shoreham Hotel. Edmund joined the Navy as a musician and was aboard the USS Pennsylvania during the December 7th, 1941 attack on Pearl Harbor. Think about that for just a minute. Yeah. Okay. What has this man seen in mm-hmm. his lifetime? Yeah. And he was old enough to actually be in the Navy when the United States got attacked and got into World War II. Yeah. Holy free holies, man. Mm-hmm. This man has seen a lot. Yes, he And he's has. still able to get up on stage and conduct. Yeah. This is a guy that if he doesn't wake up tomorrow morning, you know, uh-huh. it's natural causes and he's still out there. How is it possible? I, I mean, for real, Mark, that, that somebody can live to be that old and that active while others at 70 seem old and worn out. You mm-hmm. know, I just don't. I, I mean, and, and it doesn't. It's just odd how we are genetically made. Yeah. You know, yeah, we're all different because I got to be honest, if I make it to that old. I will be doing everything I can, you know, <laughs> Yep. To, because, you know, you sleep 20 hours a day when you get that old, <laughs> Wait a you minute. know, you have to hang on. Well, it's closer I, and closer. I do you that know? now. I, there you go. You're getting closer and closer to the dirt nap. The longer the naps get, the closer you are to the end. So this guy right now, he's up for one hour a day. He's, he's like Glenn Miller in the mood. <laughs> you know, that's when you know it's over. LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Max show. And, you know, a couple minutes ago, we were talking about the 103-year-old guy that yeah. is conducting. And I, I don't want to make light of that. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. But what's really cool is that an archaeologist <laughs> finds a theater toilet, okay? And I'm thinking, was this guy in there when they found it? Is that how they knew? I mean, I'm just spitballing here. It's just a thought, Mark. Well, there's been these ongoing excavations. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to do my business. Get out of here. I got to conduct a band. Shut the door. <laughs> ongoing excavations have revealed a historic latrina. That's a toilet or an even simpler facility. It was used as a toilet within a sanitation system at a historical theater in the ancient city of Smyrna. Which you know, is- these guys just make stuff up. They found oh, a I, hole. I, That's I know, what they yeah, found. Yeah, yeah. Here's a hole. Oh, this was Doug. Where's that German Shepherd? I don't remember seeing it. Oh, okay. That's what this is. Okay. All right. It's an ancient, ancient Chinese secret, huh? <laughs> actually, I saw the pictures and it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's actually set up. So we all think about having your own little, you know, your own little thing yeah. right there. You go and you close the door and you do your business. This was a bunch of a row of holes <laughs> so how are you hey can i see that paper when you're done with it i mean it's (laughs) that's what it was like it was located within the borders of the western city of izmir Uh, uh, the latrina is thought to have been used by the artists in that theater the theater and the and the commode date back to around the second century bc and were used until the fifth century a.d says Arkin Ursoy, he's an archaeologist at the Izmir's Katlib Celebi, uh, Celeb University and head of the excavation team there. Mm. Uh, touting unexpected finds during the excavations, an Izmir Metropolitan Municipality statement cited Ursoy as saying, this is the first time such a toilet facility inside a stage building has been found. Scientists believe the toilet, located in a closed area, was used by actors working in the stage building and performing <laughs> in a theater, not by the audience members. Right. Such a find in theaters in the Mediterranean region is unprecedented, they say. <laughs> they, they just make stuff up, man. Yeah, they also discovered the soft drinks were watered down and the popcorn was stale. But um Begin your day with a smile. The Mark and Mac Show, weekday mornings, only on LifeRadio.fm.